Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. All right, we are having some fun in the overflow, man. We are pressing into those realities of our faith that really are responsible for generating life. Man, we don't want to fiddle-faddle around in the baby pool. We don't want to mess around with things just to mess around with things. We want to engage in things that really stoke the inner fire of God our Father in our lives that push us to uh, engage in the divine purpose for which we've been created. And, and, and just here we go. Here we go. So that's what we do in the overflow. It's what we do in Trexo. We train in Kingdom Gaps. We train the ready in Kingdom Gaps, people who are ready, churches who are ready, ministries who are ready in Kingdom Gaps that ignite uh, inner fire, that ignite passion and purpose. Hit that hit that uh, notification button in whatever, uh, whatever area you are uh, hearing this in. And uh, uh, let's uh, let's stay on the front lines together. We we've been working through Second Chronicles twenty seven, King Jotham. Uh, uh, I won't spend a whole lot of time reiterating it. If this doesn't sound familiar to you, if this is your jump in point, go back and listen to the first uh, uh, overflow for this year. You get caught up on the trajectory that we're walking through. King Jotham, he was called mighty. He was considered mighty before the Lord. Second Chronicles twenty seven. We know we've unpacked or distilled from his life that he was called mighty because he um, he ordered what it meant to be. He ordered his be according to God our Father. He ordered his building and he ordered his fighting. Be build and fight. We want to learn how to order our be. We want to be who God our Father's called us to be. We want to build what God our Father's called us to be. We want to fight what God our Father has called us to fight. And so we've been working through the past few weeks. What does it mean to build? What does it look like to build that which God our Father wants us to build? And what we're going to see today is that uh, is that what God our Father wants us to build is his kingdom. We are supposed to be about building the kingdom of God our Father on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is supposed to be our mission statement. It's supposed to be the driving impulse of our lives. It's supposed to be passion for us. It's supposed to be joy for us. It's supposed to be confidence for us. And unfortunately, there is a uh, a woeful uh, lack of kingdom consciousness in our brothers and sisters uh, in, in in churches all around all around the United States. Uh, kingdom reality, kingdom pulse, kingdom power, kingdom uh, transformation is just not even just not even on the table. Uh, and and one of the consequences of that of this this kingdom light or this kingdom less Christianity. One of the manifestations of that, one of the consequences of that is the role of the federal government in our lives gets so far out of whack. The role of the federal government, the role of the United States, the role of the leaders of the federal government gets so far out of whack because in Christianity, we have nothing bigger, at least the way that we go about Christianity, we have nothing bigger to understand the faith than our local church experience. So I go to my church and my church is great. My church is wonderful. Whatever your church is, it doesn't matter. Your church has 200 people. Your church has 2,000 people. Your church has 20,000 people. Your church has one campus, five campuses. We're one church in 10 locations, whatever it is. 
no matter the size of your church, your si- that your church or your ministry compared to the size of the federal government is less than a flea. The size of your church compared to the federal government is absolutely nothing, you know, marginal. In fact, the size of your church compared to the company that most of you will work for, the size of the company that you will work for is nothing. Google is enormous. Exxon is enormous. Shell is enormous. Uh, Apple is enormous. All of these multinational trillion dollar organizations and I go to a church where my budget is whatever the budget is 1 million 5 million 10 million even a 20 million dollar budget church which would be a good size church 20 million dollar budget church what is 20 million to apple what is 20 million compared to the federal government because we don't understand the kingdom of god and we don't understand the kingdom of god it's just about our church the size of the federal government and the role of the federal government completely loses perspective. We lose perspective on the role of the federal government, on the the influence of the federal government. We lose perspective on the role of the United States uh, because we're not engaging. Uh, we don't have any kind of kingdom awareness in our lives. And so the question becomes this. Watch this question. Watch how... Watch how this begins to automatically just flip the script in our lives. At least it can if we will embrace it. What is the federal government of the United States when compared to the kingdom of the living God? Take the federal government and all of its massiveness and all of its areas and departments and Washington, D.C. and all of its tentacles. Take the military, the five branches, six branches with the Space Force, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Space Force. Take take all of it. The whole lock, stock, and barrel of the federal government, the behemoth of the federal government of the United States of America. And let me ask again, what is that compared to the kingdom of the living God? See how the tables turn? What is your church compared to the federal government? Who are you compared to the federal government? But what is the federal government compared to the kingdom of the living God? But if we don't have kingdom mentality, if we don't understand kingdom mindset, then we as Christians are left with nothing but my little church, which is great and it's doing nice things, but my little church is trying to exist in a world that is dominated by geopolitical entities, that is dominated in our country by the federal government of the United States, that is dominated by these multi-kajillion dollar corporations. Now, let's get in trouble. Without kingdom mentality, not only does the federal government get outsized in its perspectives, but so do the leaders of that federal government. So let me say this categorically. Donald Trump is not Jesus. Donald Trump is not the savior of Christianity in the United States. In fact, the United States is not the savior of the world. In fact, Christian nationalism is flat out wrong. Flat out wrong. Let me say this with as as great as clarity and and ferocity as as I can invoke in the Holy Spirit in this moment. The kingdom of the living God does not need the federal government. Can I get an amen? The kingdom of the living God does not need the federal government. But man, without any kind of kingdom awareness, we are left to the winds and the wiles of culture. We're left to the winds and the wiles of the magnitude of 
the federal government, what federal government, what national, what geopolitical entity has ever been able to stop the advancing work of the creator of the universe? Just even hypothetically, it's an insane exercise that some geopolitical entity could conjure up the idea that they can stop or slow the onward movement of the kingdom of the living God. It's just, it's insane. It it is absolutely insane. And so in a kingdom less or kingdom like Christianity, we followers of Jesus can be robbed from living in the awe and wonder of being a part of our father's historical creation wide movement. The kingdom of God is a movement that absolutely dwarfs any one nation or collection of nations. And man, if you are a Christian, then you are an integral part of the kingdom of the living God. His Holy Spirit, our Father's Holy Spirit, animates, invigorates, and empowers you to carry on the work of Jesus. You are a kingdom son. You are a kingdom daughter called by your triune creator to live a substantive, powerful life on the front lines, reaching and building others. So in my in my job with Trexo, I meet with other churches and ministries all the time. And in my homework, before I will go meet with them, I'll read their doctrinal statements and their organizational, their organizational documents. And one of the gaps that we see in almost every doctrinal statement with every client that we ever, with whom we ever work, one of the gaps that we see is no wording in their doctrinal statement about the kingdom. There's nothing, not even a mention the tragedy of all of that is, in many different ways, but the tragedy is that Jesus himself came to reestablish the kingdom of his Father on earth. Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom of his Father on earth. And, and the vast majority of us don't understand this big picture kingdom narrative. So let me lay it out in summation that you can capture how personal this is and pervasive it's supposed to be. For our lives. Our father originally bestowed his kingdom, gave his kingdom to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, complete with the directive from Genesis 128, where the scripture says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God our Father created Adam and Eve and gave them authority, gave them dominion over all of all of earth. That was God's gift and God's work for Adam and Eve. We know this very popularly. Genesis 3, 1 to 7 records Satan's work to deceive the first couple. Genesis 3, 1 to 7 records Satan's work to deceive the first couple. They give in and disobey. They give in and disobey. Now, in your training, what you have been taught about the original fall is that when man and woman sin, when man and woman sin, sin entered the world. It didn't exist before sin entered the world, and that you and I are born in sin because we're born into Adam, we're born into Eve, and that is a hundred percent true, hundred percent true. However, it's not the whole story. It's not the whole story. In addition to sin entering the world, you and I, whatever. Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed, Adam and Eve surrendered dominion surrendered control to Satan. They took the kingdom that God our Father blessed them with and gave them stewardship of. They took the kingdom, Adam and Eve did, and they handed it over to Satan. They handed it over to Satan. Watch this. Watch this. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13, records Satan tempting Jesus in three ways. Luke chapter 4, 1 to 13. 
in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 6, that records a piece of Satan's second temptation. Second temptation of Jesus, Luke 4, 5 to 6. This is what Satan says. This is what the scripture says about Satan and then what Satan says in Satan's conversation with Jesus. This is what it says. And Satan led Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to Jesus, I will give you all this domain and its glory for it has been handed over to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. Eh? What? When did all of the kingdoms of the world get handed over to Satan? They got handed over to Satan in the Garden of Eden. What was supposed to be Adam and Eve building our father's kingdom in light became Satan ruling the world in darkness. After all, Jesus calls Satan in John 14, 30 and a couple other places. Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world. The ruler of this world. So it should be no surprise to us that in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, after Jesus has spent his day in a particular city healing and casting out demons and preaching the gospel, and the people come to him the next day and say, let's go back to that town, let's go back to the same place and keep preaching and keep healing and keep casting out, Jesus says, no, I must preach the kingdom of God to the, to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus was sent for the purpose of preaching the kingdom of God. Now, let's make this really personal. Remember, Jesus is the son of our father. The kingdom of God is not the kingdom of God in some kind of fuzzy, blurred understanding of the Trinity. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of Jesus's father. Someone, Satan, took the kingdom from Jesus's dad. Jesus came to take it back. Come on, man. Can you see how personal this is? Can you feel how personal this is to Jesus? Mark chapter 1, 15 and 16, 14 and 15, 15 and 16, records Jesus' first public sermon and his entire ministry, his entire ministry. Jesus walks out onto the middle of, of the arena of darkness. Mark chapter 1, 40, 50. Jesus walks out into the middle of the arena of darkness. The only one. He's got no teammates. He's got no disciples. He's got nobody with him. It's Jesus by himself. He walks out into the arena of darkness. He takes the flag of life, drops it, drills it down, drills it down into the domain of darkness. And Jesus says, it is recorded that Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus marches out. Jesus marches out into the domain of darkness, puts his flag down, says to Satan, the time for you to be jacking around with what you took from my father. You took it from my father and I have come to take it back. That's the kingdom of our father. That's what we're supposed to be building. That's what we're supposed to devote our lives to. So one day, Jesus' disciples come to him and ask him to teach them to pray. Disciples were raised in a 
culture of prayer. They know all about prayer. But man, when Jesus prays, something uh, something's shaking. Something's happening when Jesus prays in a way that doesn't happen when they listen to other people pray. And so in what, so he tells them and then he gives them the, the prayer and, and in what he shares with them, what he shares with them in his prayer, he reveals to them the passions and the priorities of his heart. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he is showing them the passions and the priorities of his heart. His prayer is revealing what was important to him. And so Jesus teaches them to pray. This is the beginning of the prayer in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. Jesus teaches them to pray, Father, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So prayers to our Father, prayers, prayers to our Father, for our Father's name to be glorified. That's my dad. That's my dad. I want to see my dad's name lit up, man. I want to see my dad's name lit up. I'm going to pray to my Father. I'm to hallow his name, and I'm to devote my life to advancing my father's kingdom. Jesus trained his disciples to be kingdom conscious and kingdom engaged. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Now remember, in the time of Jesus, Rome was the dominant world power. Rome was. Rome ruled. Rome ruled. And they weren't particularly nice rulers. They didn't rule by tickle me Elmo. They, they ruled by force. They ruled by terrorism. They ruled by military might. Uh, and they were led by some peculiar Caesars, not the least of which was Nero. Some real, real crackpot guys, man. Nevertheless, watch this. Nevertheless, in all the dominance and power of Rome, Rome could not stop the advancing work of the kingdom of God. Couldn't stop it. Jesus barely gave a mention to local, regional, and federal leaders. Barely gave a mention. He knew who they were. He understood the under the interrelationships between the Romans, the Jews, the Herodians, and others. He was not an idiot to the times. He knew it extremely well. But his mission was, watch this, Jesus' mission was not to build some geopolitical nation that would compete for supremacy with the other nations of the world. Uh-uh. Not a chance. You can't find it in scripture. doesn't exist. His mission was to build the kingdom of his father. And he built the kingdom one person at a time. He expanded his father's kingdom territory, not in physical land. He expanded his father's kingdom territory, not in physical land, but in the land of people's hearts. And he trained his disciples in prayer to have his same mind. If we're going to be, if we're going to be who God our father wants us to be, we got to be who God our father wants us to be. If we're going to build what God our father wants us to build, we got to build what God our father wants us to build. And what does God our father want us to build? He wants us to build the kingdom of God, not the federal government of the United States. Now, I know who Joe Biden is. I know who Donald Trump is. I can name all nine of the Supreme Court justices and I can talk at length about various legislation and and government trends and economic issues in our culture. On occasion, I love to rail against and talk about the erasure of the 10th Amendment to the Constitution as a major influence on the current mess of our country. But largely, I don't really care. I, I, I am largely indifferent. Frontline kingdom work is mildly interested in government and political leaders. Mildly interested. Frontline kingdom work is intently reaching people one person, one step, one issue at a time, building them into mature, healed, love-filled warriors. This is kingdom building. This is what Jesus did. 
2024 for Overflow is dedicated to working through 2 Chronicles 27, the example of King Jotham. He, he was called mighty before the Lord because he ordered his be, his building, his fight according to God's leading. Our building is co-laboring with the Holy Spirit to advance our Father's kingdom by reaching and restoring people one person at a time. Watch how personal this is. This is crazy. When the time comes for Jesus to return, and he has put all of his enemies under his feet. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says is going to happen. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end when Jesus hands over the kingdom to his God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. So at the end, when Jesus wraps all this up, he's going to say, Father, Satan took this from you and from us together with the Holy Spirit we took it back. The kingdom of God does not need Donald Trump. The kingdom of God does not need Joe Biden. The kingdom of God does not need the federal government. The kingdom of God is you, full of the Holy Spirit, loving and building people in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the power that he exerts in you and through you for the glory of his holy name. Next step for you, real easy next step. Real easy next step. Meditate on and work through the Lord's Prayer. Praying to our Father, just the first parts of it. Praying to our Father, hallowed be his name. I want my life to be about advancing your kingdom, Father. You're getting me started down this road. You're using this podcast or this video or this blog to get me started down that road. Show me the next steps in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Pray, soak, meditate in the Lord's Prayer. As you read Scripture, Look for the kingdom of God because it's everywhere. When we gather together in the overflow, life in the overflow of the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is very, very kingdom-centered and kingdom-conscious. Advancing the kingdom of our Father should be the mission statement, part of the mission statement of your life that rallies your soul every single day that you get to get out of bed, put your feet on the floor, be a son of our Father, be a daughter of our Father, be a brother of Jesus, be a, be a daughter, be a sister of Jesus, a temple of the Holy Spirit, animated, invigorated, fired up to walk into the battlefield of that life that you're going to face today and advance our Father's kingdom one person, one step, one issue at a time. This has been super helpful for you. You know what to do. You know what to do. I need your help. This kingdom stuff is powerful, and I need your help to spread it around the highways and the byways, infect people with it everywhere we go. Let it spread like wildfire, man. And let's see brothers and sisters in Christ stand up and give a hoorah to the kingdom of our Father as we advance his name one person at a time. Pass it around. Share it around. If there's anything that has been a blessing to you and you care to donate to us, trexo.org backslash donate. If you're ready to go to the next level and you want to talk about it, me and you one-on-one, let's go. Let's get after it. Jim at Trexo.org. I'd be happy to, to, to talk with you and listen to you and see what we can do to get you moving in the right direction, get you cleaned up, cleared up, so you can have that inner fire, that passion that will clear out the race that God our Father has for you to run. God bless you. May you enjoy this rest of this day, the rest of your time, as you live it out, as we live it out together. Thank you for joining us in The Overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.